So enough with that. Uh, it is officially 2021. Whatever that means. Uh, it is officially 21, but it's a new year. And the new year is uh, a great opportunity. I'm not a big uh, make New Year's resolutions, but I am very big on moments in life that allow you to hit the restart button. A lot of times for me, that happens in the, the, the faith calendar around Easter and Christmas and Palm Sunday. Like some of those major faith times are good opportunities for me, but it's also a good opportunity for everybody, whether you're close to God, tuning in today, or for the few of you here this morning, uh, or you're far from God. You don't even have a relationship with God, but you're intrigued, or you want to ask some questions, or you want to wrestle with this God that we talk about. Well, we want to invite you into that as we move forward. I love that last song, and I've sung it a uh, hundred times, but when Mandy was leading us, and isn't it great to have Mandy up on stage leading us? Yay! She has a male friend here that we're keeping an eye on, Grace and Josh. Know that uh, we've got close tabs going on this young man. Uh, and have warned him slash threatened him. Anyway, moving on, the, the worship song, let's get back spiritually. The worship song says, though I may not see what the future brings, I will watch and wait for the Savior King. Boy, isn't that 2021? We may not know what 2021 is going to bring. Maybe we can rewrite that. Uh, we may not know what 2021 is going to bring, but we will watch and wait for the Savior, our King. So as we head into this message, as we head into the new year, I just want to ask that you would pause once again. Hopefully you've kind of gotten your coffee and your uh, chips or your cinnamon rolls and you're settled now. I want to invite you to, to pause your heart, to settle yourself just for a moment, uh, and to allow God to bring you to a place where mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, you have the courage to hear from him. So let's do that this morning. God, we, we just want to pause for a moment. Amidst all the hurried, amidst all the stress, the unknowns of what 2021 can, can bring, trials and successes and joys and celebrations, possibly vaccines and returning to normalcy, diagnoses and ending relationships, we, we don't know what waits before us. But we promise to wait and watch for our Savior King. We give you that this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue uh, live streaming over the next several weeks, we're going to be doing a lot of different tinkerings, uh, both on the production side, the sound side, the lighting side, the video. So we're just going to ask for your patience on that. Uh, quite frankly, we don't really know what we're doing. Uh, and so we're flying a little bit of blindness, but we are figuring out we have an incredible team up in the nest that is working super, super hard, running the cameras, running the sound, running the lighting. And so we're figuring out, just be patient with us. It's going to get better and better uh, as we move forward. Uh, author E.M. Gray, I don't know if you're familiar with E.M. Gray, uh, he spent his life searching for the one trait that all successful people 
share. Well, this one trait that no matter who you are and you're successful, you share this trait. He wrote an essay that later became a book called The Common Denominator of Success. And it revealed successful people's common characteristic. The thing that kind of linked them all together was not, underline that word, it was not hard work or uh, winning the lottery, in other words, good luck, uh, or uh, powerful human relationships that could maneuver you, although uh, some of those traits are, are still common in very successful people. But the one factor that seemed to transcend all of the rest of the habits found in successful people was putting first things first. That was the one thing in, in successful individuals, whether it's in the secular business world or in the religious world or the relational world or your family entity, it was putting first things first. He simply observed it this way. The successful person has the habit of doing the things failures don't like to do. They don't like doing them either, necessarily, but their disliking is subordinated to the strength of their purpose. In other words, you grow up. You grow up and you do your laundry because that's what adults do. You pay your bills on time. You, you make good decisions. But successful people, according to E.M. Gray, always put first things first. To drive this point home and, and to challenge us this morning, we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Haggai. I, I know most of you have memorized that, so you don't even need to open your Bibles. But for those of you who haven't memorized that book, you can open up to the book of Haggai. If you're new to the Bible, if you're new to the church, you're new to this whole thing called Christianity, uh, the Bible is split into two parts. There's essentially the Old Testament, which is the beginning half of the Bible. And then the second half of the Bible is the New Testament. Haggai is towards the end of of that first part. So if you go all the way and you hit Matthew, hit reverse for a couple of chapters and you'll find the book of Haggai or others will pronounce it Haggai. I pronounce it Haggai. It was written around 520 BC. A long, long time ago, this book was written, but some incredible truths, not just for the people of Jerusalem, but for you and I today. It's actually the shortest book in the entire Old Testament, and it communicates this same message. Put first things First, in fact, if you're into taking notes or, or writing in the margins of your Bible or highlighting and underlining like I am, you could write on the very top of that page of chapter one of Haggai, put first things first. You can put it in huge letters, underline it, grab a highlighter and highlight it because that is the essence of the book of Haggai. It was written to normal people like you and I, just everyday followers of God who would say, at least in word, I am putting God first. And so it's written to people just like that, who make the claim, I am putting God first. And you might be in that category here, or again, you might be in the category of, I, I don't even really know if I believe in God, let alone making him first. I just want to continue to say, you're welcome here. Join with us in this study. Join with us in this struggle. And so 
allow God to maybe open your heart and your minds to what is it exactly does it mean to let God be first? Here's the problem with the people that Haggai is writing to. They know God should be first, and many have done so. But an enormous amount of the people have drifted away from that. They haven't drifted away from God, but they have drifted away from putting him first. In other words, he's become one of many. He's become one of many tasks. Make it a little bit more personal to us. Do laundry, do homework, spend some time with God, see my friends, eat, do dishes, et cetera, et cetera. He has become just something else that needs to happen. In fact, they've misplaced their priorities. They had and still do have great lives, but the church is struggling. The church is wrestling. And so Haggai comes on the scene, and he was sent to help God's people get their priorities in line with where they knew they should be. Now, this is different. I, I think this is important to, to highlight. This is different than coming to an individual and saying, you're doing it all wrong. Here's how it actually needs to be. And they go, oh, man, I had no idea. This isn't the case. Haggai comes on scene. They know what should be first. They're just not doing it. And so Haggai comes on the scene. He delivers this message to the Jews who had just been uh, delivered and returned to Jerusalem after living in captivity in Babylon. Now, Babylon in captivity is not a great place to be in exile, but they are now returning to their homeland. Babylon had destroyed Jerusalem. And when we think destroyed, think like World War II Berlin bombing right at the end of World War II. They had literally destroyed Jerusalem and Solomon's temple about 70 years prior to that. And everything was just left. Think about that. Think about if you leave your yard for a month in the summertime, what it would look like. Horrible. Brown, weeds, some of you trees. Yeah, I'm sure you've walked by around uh, in the summertime and there's just aspen trees popping up in people's yard left and right. And you can tell they're just, they haven't put any attention to it. Now imagine 70 years after the destruction of the temple and the city that now the people are beginning to come back. When the Jews returned, they faced the daunting task of rebuilding. They had to decide, and we see this oftentimes in our day when a tsunami hits or when a hurricane hits or a tornado hits, there is the incredible sadness and the destruction of the loss of life. But then there is just the normal cleanup. The streets you can't drive through, you've got to clean up the streets. There, there are uh, toilets in people's yards and cars tipped over and roofs thrown off. There are trees dismounted. Everything needs to be cleaned up. And not, not long after the first to return, they made their initial attempts to clean up the debris. And it is an enormous amount of work. And so what do they do? They enlist the help uh, their Samaritan neighbors who offered to help, and they were told no. 
We don't need your help. It it would be like Samaritan's Purse going down to one of these uh, tornado-ridden cities that has just been hit, and, and the mayor of the city goes, thank you, Samaritan's Purse, but we don't really need your help. It would be incredibly disrespectful and awful to do such a thing. And as a result, the Samaritans, they didn't take kindly to that. They were offended, and so the workers sent men to Persia to lobby against the Jews from doing their work, and it became a political battle where, what happened? Everything came to a screeching halt, and nothing happened. Thank goodness we don't have politics like that anymore. But it did exist then, politics. And so some years pass, and Jerusalem comes to life again. Think about our context of our world today. Homes are rebuilt, stores are eventually reopened, commerce is reestablished, fields are planted, crops begin to grow and begin harvested, and life begins to come back to some semblance of normalcy. May God bring that to us uh, in 2021. Israel, however, Amidst all of this reopening and regrowth, here's what happened to poor Israel. They got used to living without God. They got used to not going to church. They got used to not really putting God first because it's gone on long enough. We've kind of figured out how to do life without him. Let's acknowledge something. That kind of thinking, that kind of mindset, every single one of us are subjected to. That is a risk that each and every one of us have as we drift away, not maliciously and not even with choice, but we drift away from the things of God because we figured out we can actually do life and actually do it pretty well without him. And that's what happens. The church is overgrown with weeds. The the windows are broken out. There's graffiti on the walls and the the temple was just left. And those those weeds stood as kind of a, a silent reminder, if you would, of the failure to take care of God's house the failure to put first things first. And roughly 16 years pass, and then Haggai appeared on the scene with one prevailing message, and that is for the people, it's time to rebuild the temple. That was for them what was first things first. Now, that's not the case for us. We don't have to rebuild a temple. Hasn't been 70 years. The church isn't overgrown with weeds. But there are things that God is saying, you need to put first things first in your personal life and in the church. You've got to redirect your priorities. And the message for them and for us today was one of priority. Again, put first things first. I want to ask you, in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in your heart, in your mind, are the things that ought to be first, are they first? Now, we're gonna get into 
some topics that Haggai used to bring this to the people's attention. I'm gonna do the same with you. Uh, The reason why I'm prefacing it is because there is the chance you might sit back and go, hold hold on a second. A, that seems really harsh for a New Year's Eve sermon to kick us off on the right foot. Also, I'm actually doing pretty well in that. I want to acknowledge that. Some of you may be doing great in some areas, much like every Sunday. Everything doesn't necessarily hit home with you to make a life radical change. It may. But there is truth in every one of these points that we're going to wrestle with. And all I ask is for you to pray a simple prayer. God, reveal anything you want in my heart. That's it. Just be bold enough and courageous enough to pray, God, reveal that. Reveal if there's anything I need to be aware of. And if he says, you're doing great, then awesome. Keep doing great. But if he brings something else To your mind, I'm going to ask and pray that you would write that down and and address that. Although God is everywhere, the temple was the place on earth where God dwelled in a special sense. It's where God dwelled for worship. It's where God dwelled for community building. It's where God dwelled for people to bring gifts. And so for the temple to be ignored, for it literally to lie in ruins, if you would, was to disregard the testimony uh, and, and show the entire world misplaced Priorities. It was an embarrassment to God, and it was a blemish on the church. That's what's going on. So now, fast forward. Now we've got all of that beginning part of the book of Haggai. Now, Haggai arrives on scene, and his message is blunt. He pulls no punches. He wastes not a single word. And what we see in the first chapter of Haggai are a few practical steps of putting first things first. And they really do apply to us in 2021 in the form of a few stop signs. Now, I know some of you, probably no one in this room, but most of you online have have or still do blow stop signs. Uh, now, uh, you may not blow it as in like just like completely ignore it. Miranda, is that a struggle? Grant, Hanson, fair enough. Okay. So stop signs are not suggestions. They're not if you want to. They're not slow down as you look both ways and continue through. Newsflash, they mean stop. Really. And whether you want to stop or not, you're being asked to stop. And really, let's take that same thinking to the Bible. There's so much in the Bible that says, I don't really care if you want to stop. You're supposed to. So try it this morning. Just give it a shot this morning, Grant. Um, Now, I want to encourage you as we jump further into this, I want you to search deep. Because I don't know what's going on in your heart and mind. Sometimes I don't even know what's going on in my own heart and mind. Certainly not yours. But you and God do. If you look in the mirror, you know who's staring back at you. So I'm going to invite you to do some self-reflection this morning. Number one, stop making excuses. As we head into 2021 and we want to make the first things first, Someone of of you need to hear this. Stop making excuses. 
as a people group, all the way from Adam and Eve, we, we are all-stars. We are hall of fame at making excuses. And the first thing that Haggai does is confront the excuses for the temple that's lying in ruins. Haggai chapter one, verse two, out of the new revised standard version says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. In other words, you're going, hmm, I know there's laundry to do. I know there's dishes to do. I know there's homework to do. I I know the fan doesn't work. I know the door squeaks. I I know that the car is leaking oil. I, I, but now's not the time. I have other things to do. That's essentially what the people are saying in regards to what should have been first, and that is to rebuild the temple, to rebuild God's house, to focus strictly on that. They intended to rebuild God's house, but they just hadn't gotten around to it. Anybody of you guilty of that? You have a list at home and you're like, ah, I got these, like, I don't know, a hundred things to do, and I just, ah, I've been meaning to get to that. And then someone comes to visit. And they go, hey, like, your door needs painted. You're like, been meaning to do that for three years. Thank you. Thanks so much for noticing that. Or they notice your scuffed uh, floorboards or stain in the carpet or that the door squeaks. They're like, hey, some WD-40 would fix that. And you're like, yep, eight months ago I knew that. Uh, And we just leave things. Why? Because we just have other priorities. Or we make other priorities. We put other things first. If you were to ask the people uh, about the temple, they would probably say, I'm all for rebuilding the temple. I'm all for rebuilding God's house. It's a great cause, but I'm fairly convinced God wants me to take care of my family first. I'm pretty certain God wants me to take care and raise my kids first and and to make sure that my retirement fund is filled first, that that my lawn is uh, mowed first. I got to make sure everything is in order in my house and then I can go take care of God who needs me. That's exactly what's going on in Haggai. They want to but they just have some other priorities. Times are hard. Jobs are hard to find nowadays. Finances are tight. We got some things we're dealing with in the family, but when life settles down, then God will be first. Any of you relate to that? I certainly do. I have maybe not put it in those words, but I've been there. Certainly in in the physical realm with the house and chores and everything else, but I've also been there spiritually. I remember as as a high school and college student looking at my youth pastor and my youth leaders going, man, someday I'm gonna pursue God like they do. I'm gonna be mature about it. I'm I'm gonna read my Bible, I'm gonna pray, but not yet. I still have fun to be had. Maybe you can relate to that. We need to pray about it more. I, I, I just don't know if I'm really supposed to. I don't know if God's, try this one on for size. I don't know if that's really what God wants for me. We'll eventually rebuild it, but not, not yet. This is what's going on, and, and they made excuse after excuse after excuse. 
God has enough. He wants his temple rebuilt. And he sends Haggai. National League outfielder in the 1880s, Billy Sunday. If you don't know who that is, look it up. Quite a guy. He defined an excuse as the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. (laughs) Try that one out for size. The skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Benjamin Franklin wrote, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses who was good at anything else. It's just, there, there's just some wisdom in excuses are so easy attainable. Don't do this right now, but later, I, I looked it up on Google. There are several websites of excuses, and you can put in your situation, and it will spit out excuses for you, as if you don't have that ability on your own. We'll figure it out for you. Homework being lost, late for work, uh, rejecting someone for an invite to a party. It gives you a whole list of ways to make excuses. That's what we've become. And at times, that's what we've become towards God. And we don't even know it. But we make these excuses. It's always easy to make excuses when you don't want to obey God. Think Nineveh right? Uh, Think Moses. When when you don't want to do what God says, I don't know if you've ever been there where God says, hey, go talk to that person. You go, no, 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 no. Like I'm off duty. Uh, Like no, no, no. And God says, you really need to go talk to them. Well, then you can start saying, wow, they're eating. I don't want to interrupt them. I don't know them. COVID, like safe distance, like we're not supposed to do that. When, When you don't want to obey God, it's easy to make excuses, to have rational Uh, justification for your action or inaction. Does that make sense? And it just comes so naturally. What is currently not first in your life that should be? Answer that. What is not in the first place that needs to be? Now, most of the time, the reason why we don't want to address that is we're scared. Because that will mean uh, changing jobs. That will mean changing our routines. That, that will mean getting out of a relationship. That will mean, that was not for you two, okay? That was just in general, geez. Just realized what I said. It could be a horrible relationship, not a great relationship that you might need to change. But if priorities aren't where they ought to be, you have to be willing, courageous enough to make those adjustments along the way. And a lot of times we don't because we're afraid. So that's number one, stop making excuses. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's... uh, God wants me to not be late for church every Sunday. <laughs> Chris Hassel. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe God is uh, giving you something else and you say, ah, why not? Why not right now address that? And say, I'm going to make this first priority. Number two, stop being selfish. Stop being selfish. Now, a lot of you, and rightfully so, at first glance are going to go, I'm not selfish, and I would agree with you. However, I think if you dig further, you're going to find selfish ways because that's the life of a sinner. It ultimately comes down to selfishness. 
This one is closely aligned with making excuses. Haggai challenges the people's selfish behavior in verses three and four. Here's what he says. Then the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai saying, is it time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now let's dig a little bit deeper in that because at first glance you go, that doesn't really sound selfish. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. Paneled houses can mean covered or roofed, okay? Completed houses. The point was that it represented, represented finishing touches on a home. That you would go the extra mile. You'd put up crown molding. You'd put up light fixtures. You would touch up paint that's kind of been chipped. You'd clean out the gutters. You'd clean out the bushes. Make sure the house is in pristine order. That's what a paneled house, that was in other words, referring to the idea of you've got everything under control and it looks great where you live, but over here where God is calling still is lying in shambles. The homes were not in process. The weeds were growing around these unfinished foundations. The homes were complete by the people near the temple, but the temple remained unchecked. And that was the priority. So other areas of life were being taken care of, but the priority was being ignored. Now, one thing that we don't see is a malicious neglect to choose to walk away from God. We don't see this with the people who have come back after living in exile, after living in Babylon. One of the points we do see from this passage is that it is easy to drift away from God, drift towards our own agenda from what he wants in our lives. Before you know it, another week has passed. Before you know it, another month has passed. You're on another vacation. And you look back in the rear view mirror and you go, man, I, I really wanted to fill in the blank because I know God put that on my heart. And I just haven't gotten around to it yet. We pursue our own selfish desires while ignoring God's perfect plan in our life. In fact, that's the default mode of our life. I hope that's not news to you. The default mode of all of humanity, and, and countless studies have been done on this, the countless mode for humanity is to do what you need. That's not earth shattering. That's just a reality. In fact, if, if we give no thought to how we are living, we will naturally live for ourselves. If you're new to church, that's the peak behind the curtain of sin. When we live for ourselves, that's sin. It always is. When we say, I'm number one, I'll take care of me first, that's sin. That's why we did this uh, initiative called Thee Before Me. Be because it's about the other, it's not about me. 
It's the one who is wanting and in need, not me. It's about God's plan for me and my family, not my plans. It's God's time. It's God's money. It's God's resources. It's God's plan for Brian Hayes. It's God's plan for Dan Montaneri. It's God's plan for Mandy. Like, that's the mindset. And when sin creeps in, we begin to think self. Don't don't be offended by this personally. This is just giving a description and defining humanity to which you are a part of. And that is our hearts are always towards selfishness. And it's only when God comes in and begins to change the heart, when when the Holy Spirit begins to change our thinking, begins to, to massage our hearts and mold it to be just the heart he wants it to be, it's then and only then that we begin to look for the care and the love and the concern of others. So when you do that, that's not your heart, that's God's heart. For the Bible says you're a wretched being without Jesus Christ. And we need to embrace that. And this is what happened to the Jews that Haggai addressed. Hymn writer, Pastor uh, William Cowper uh, addressed this when he penned these words in this hymn. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Friends, you are prone to leave the God you love. You say, no way. There's no way I would. Okay, well, ask Peter how that went. You've never walked with Jesus physically. You never had a sleepover. You never endured campfires with the man. You never went fishing with him. You didn't go on hikes. You didn't see him feed 5,000 people. You didn't see him turn water into wine. You didn't see him heal a paralytic. You didn't see him bring sight to the blind. You didn't see him cast demons out. You didn't see him do everything every single day. And Peter did, and he still wandered away. What do you think you are capable of if first things aren't put first? But that is what happens when we don't persistently and consistently seek God first in every single area of life. And if you are not, and another newsflash, All of us have an area where we are not. Then there is your homework to think introspectively. Friends, whether uh, a vaccine comes out tomorrow and saves the day or it's six months from now or life opens up and all of a sudden we can start enjoying normalcy again, our call as Christ followers is to make the necessary adjustments to our lives by the prompting and the probing of the Holy Spirit as to consistently seek God in every area of our life and everything we do throughout 2021. There's the call. There's 2021. That is for you. And it may look different to the person sitting next to you than what God is going to say to you today. And in order to do this, Haggai says, we have to stop making excuses. 
We have to stop being selfish. And third and finally, we have to stop missing God's blessings. This happens throughout the book of Haggai, if you read it. It's super short. I encourage you this week, grab just a little bit of time and read the whole book. Read it under the context of our first things first. And if not, what is Haggai saying? It's an incredible, incredible book. So there's a little bit of homework for this week. As a consequence of their excuse making and their selfish living, the people in Haggai's day, they experienced hardship. Now, let me address something very, very quickly. There is not a direct 100% correlation between, excuse me, if I walk away from God and don't put him first, a bunch of bad things are going to happen in my life. That is not 100% a formula that happens every single time. However, to say that God never works that way would be naive at best because God is willing to do whatever it takes to get your attention and to get back where he ought to be. So don't think for any stretch that God can't allow calamities, struggles, strife, curses to come into our lives in order to wake us up. But it's not always the case. Look at verses five through six. Here's what he says. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. In other words, going very well for you? I used to do this as a youth pastor for kids who didn't want to walk with God and their lives were just a disaster. I'm like, how's that going for you? Are you ready yet? Are you ready to give God a chance? Because everything you're doing so far is just leading to a massive nightmare and headache. You ready to give God a chance? This is what Haggai is saying. Consider how you have fared. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And you earn wages to put them in a bag with holes. Okay, so let's unpack this. These dear people with virtually very good ambitions, these individuals Uh, sow seed, they sow plenty of seed, and there's a drought, and the crops aren't yielding very much. They had this active lifestyle, but they're not experiencing any satisfaction. In other words, they look the part, but inside there's an emptiness to it. They're laboring, but they show no profit. No matter how hard they try, they seem to be spinning their wheels. No matter how much money they worked for and obtained, they couldn't keep it. They just couldn't catch a break in life. Can you relate to this? Or have you related to this in the past? And because of their selfishness, the people missed God's blessings right in front of them. And Haggai points out a very truthful, but also a very sobering truth, and that is this. What happens in your heart affects every other part of your life. What happens in your heart affects everything. You know this, if you've had someone so close to you pass away, you can't eat the same, breathe the same, sleep the same, have any entertainment the same, because your heart is broken. And if your heart isn't with God, first things first, 
it will affect every part of your life. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Put him first, and everything else will be taken care of. It may not look pretty, it may not be perfect, but he will take care of everything else. Blessings come through obedience, walking with God through Jesus Christ. And if we want to experience God's blessings, not specifically here on earth, physical blessings, but not away from those things, but if we want to truly experience God's blessings from the principalities and everything going on all around us, we must, we will put him first. This was the message of Haggai, and it must be our message for us going into 2021. All right, home stretch, running a little bit long, but consider this. With all the warnings, all the people had, all the problems, the people eventually realized that they themselves had caused their own calamities. That because they walked away from God, because they dropped doing the little things, because they stopped reading their Bible, they stopped caring for the church, they stopped caring for the poor, they stopped praying, they stopped putting God in his rightful place, they caused their calamities. And the people finally got to a place. They finally arrived to a place where they could evaluate their situation. And twice, Haggai instructs the people, Consider your ways. And I want to say that to you this morning. Consider your ways. Consider what time you wake up and what time you go to bed. Consider how you eat. Consider how you exercise. Consider the music or movies that you indulge in. Consider the language that comes out of your mouth. Consider how often you read your Bible or, or pray. Consider uh, how often you, you volunteer at church. Consider how often you care for your next door neighbor. Uh, consider how little or often you share Christ with someone and the hope that you have. Consider just for a moment, consider your ways. The, the word consider means to give careful thought to, to pause long enough to do that. It was time for the people to do some serious self-examination before the Lord. And this is our homework. Evaluation is a good thing. Evaluating on a regular basis is a great thing. Great companies evaluate all the time. Relationships evaluate all the time the time. This is what we do. It's why teachers uh, give quizzes and employers give job reviews. Online learning, by the way, has changed an awful lot. I saw a, a video this week of a mother who, who popped in to, to see uh, how well her son was learning online, you know, with the teacher. I, I do this on a regular basis because one of my boys is just kind of counting stars all day. So I got to keep him focused. So this mom popped in and like, ah, I got to see how well he's doing. And she heard the teacher say, um, what is your favorite season? Is really, really young kids and uh, they're popping off, you know, summer, winter, fall, Halloween, Christmas, etc. And that one kid pipes up her son that she's checking on and he says powdered garlic. Some of you will get that later, Josh. 
And, and the mom just kind of stops and goes, okay, this is not working. Maybe it's not online. Maybe it's the boy. <laughs> but there's a time to evaluate. How are things working? Socrates wrote this, the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life. Each day we need to evaluate how we spend our time, how we spend our money, and how we use our talents. We should examine who we choose as friends. We should examine what goals that we have set, where we're going and how we're getting there. Examine how our finances are. Examine how our career is going. How is it going raising our kids? What adjustments do we need to make along the way? How our health, that's why you have an annual health appointment to go in and get a, a quick checkup to see how you are doing. Evaluation's a good thing. You see, if God's not first, if God's not in the place rightfully designated for him, other things will take that place without you even knowing it. And before you can realize it, you'll look around and go, wow, my priorities are way out of whack. I gotta make some adjustments. And what better time to do that than at 10 after 11 on Sunday, January 3rd. It's the perfect time. Think of it this way. If a pilot's flying and isn't constantly making slight course adjustments, or at least the computer is making slight course adjustments, that plane is gonna end up way off target. So it is for you and I to make slight adjustments along the way. So here we go. We need to stop making excuses, cease being selfish, and seek God's blessings and take the time to evaluate. So here's your homework. It's an evaluation task. And we're, we're going to head into communion. So as I describe this homework, if you're at home and you want to run and grab some bread or run and grab some juice, uh, anything will do. Um, just grab a cracker, grab some bread, grab some juice, uh, something in your home to, to pause long enough to remember uh, communion. But here's your homework. I'm going to ask you today, not tomorrow, not next week, not sometime this month, today to take approximately 30 minutes to pause long enough to reflect. We're so busy, we're so hurried, right? So just take 30 minutes to just pause. Excuse yourself to the other room, go for a drive, go for a walk, it's beautiful out. Pause for 30 minutes and reflect and evaluate who or what is first in every area of your life. And if you're like most, you're gonna have a whole lot of different answers and that's okay, that's, that's actually good. But evaluate, evaluate who or what is first. And then next, the most difficult part is identify your excuses and your selfishness. 
Be willing to go there. Be, be willing to allow yourself to critique yourself. If you need help, enlist a close friend or a family member. Be careful because they will be honest with you. We are full of these excuses and selfishness. What are they for you? Identify those. And where have you missed God's blessings? Because of those things. What needs to be adjusted literally starting today? The idea isn't can you, the question is will you? Will you make those hard decisions? Because the last step is to be bold enough, to be courageous enough to write down changes that need to be made. And then I'm going to add a last one on here is let someone know. It could be a family member, a close friend, a coworker. You could let myself or Alex or Pope, any of us know. Uh, someone sitting next to you, someone here in the church, let them know. Hey, I identified, man, here are my excuses. Here's my selfishness. Here's where I've probably missed God's blessings. And here is where I'm going to make some changes going forward. We celebrate New Year's. <laughs> we remember New Year's. We, we, we sing the song. To put first things first. And this song that, that Alex and Mandy are going to lead us in is, is kind of a, a changed rendition of the New Year's song. To do just that. To put Christ first. I just want to ask you, do you... Do you have enough courage to do that? Do you have enough courage to be honest with yourself? Do you have enough courage to make those adjustments? Because I promise you, if you do, if you begin to put God where he is rightfully supposed to be first, I promise you, you are in for a year like no other. You will experience the highs and the low in the journey of following Jesus. You will experience a love like you've never dreamed of. You will experience uh, what we sing about when we sing blessed assurance. You'll have a peace and an assurance that you do not walk this alone. It may be bumpy. It may be scary. But you will not go through it alone. Do you have that courage? This is a great opportunity to do it. And then in a bit, we're going to take communion. So go ahead and stay seated. You don't have to stand for this one as we normally do. Just listen and allow yourself to reflect, and then we'll continue our time in worship. May God bless you with an incredible 2021. We're excited to see you back in this room at some point in time. We'll be communicating that. But until then, continue to take care of each other. Continue to lean in, build community, and take care of one another. God bless you.